control. And there's a couple other terms that we use in our society, and we kind of mix them all together, when actually, biblically, there's a pretty big difference between self-control and all these other terms, okay? So I want to define what that is. I want to point the difference out. Um, and it actually was, in, you know, this whole series actually was inspired by uh, a conversation I was having with my beautiful wife and, and her sister, Eliza. We're at our house, and we're talking about food. And uh, uh, the topic came up of, of Doritos and chips and all this, this good stuff. And we were talking about how, you know, if we had a nice bag of, uh, oh, bold barbecue Doritos, like, come on, come on, amen, right? Like, we're talking, this is the good stuff. We were talking about how if I had one of these, um, or no, I'll start with them. If they had one of these, they would savor it, right? It'd be like, mmm, this is delicious, this kind of thing. When I eat, I consume, right? Like, it's not this, like, I'm going to have one, this kind of thing. So I'm going to, I'm resisting temptation, you know, I'm showing some self-control right now. Um, and Eliza kind of looked at me, and she said, you know, you have a self-control problem. You should be able to savor that bag of chips. And I was like, oh, whatever. And we're kind of just joking, whatever. But as I thought about it, it's like, why is it that I need to eat the entire bag? <laughs> you know? <laughs> What's that? Portion control, right? Or whatever it is. Like, why, why can't I do this? Um, so I want to I wanna look at some scripture where, and again, if we're just messing around with Doritos, whatever. If you get a Dorito, you'll live. It's okay. Um, but what happens when it's not a bag of Doritos? What happens when it's actually something serious in life? that actually really matters that you resist that and you don't be part of that? Or what happens when you really need to be doing something, but we don't have the self-control to actually go do that because it's really hard work, right? Um, so I want to look at some scripture. And the context of, of this scripture is it's written by a guy named Paul. And Paul's a church leader at this time. He starts a bunch of churches all over the place. And there's this one area called Galatia in the Roman Empire way, way, way back when. Uh, so modern-day Turkey now, and he starts a bunch of churches there, and these people accept God's message, right? This message that um, God created them, he loves them, that God has a purpose for them, and they're so pumped, they're so excited about it. But as time goes, they realize it's actually really hard to go God's way, because it's true, right? Being a Christian, being a disciple of Jesus, it means every single day you wake up and say, I'm not gonna do what I want this morning, I'm gonna do what God wants me to do instead. Like, that's, that's a tough life to live. So as time's going, they're realizing that. Um, and of course, it's the best life you can live, though. And the end result's the best thing ever. Um, but Paul knows that they're struggling and they're about to give up. So he writes them this letter to encourage them. And this is what he says in Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 22. He says this, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So you see at the very end there, last but not least, self-control is in there. And, and who, who's the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God active in the, in, in the world, right? And, and apparently, the Holy Spirit, God, can give us all those qualities, all those characteristics, all those disciplines, all those, all those useful things in our lives. And, and Paul gives us this, this analogy of fruit, right? It's kind of weird, right? Like if, you know, us church people, if you've been to church for a while, you're like, yeah, the fruit of the Spirit. But if you're new to church, it's like, what is he talking about, right? But there's, there's, it's a really cool analogy, you know, fruit. Because like, you know, I don't want to brag, but I used to be a produce clerk at, at Price Chopper. So, you know, I know my fruit, okay? So you got like a nice, what is this, Macintosh? No, Gala, okay. Uh, anyways, you know, it's just like fruit. It grows as time goes, right? Like it, it's sweet. It's good, right? It's, it's a genius analogy of, of fruit. You know, you got a banana, you know, 
fruit grows as time goes. You know, the, uh, the brown dots here, that's actually the natural sugars coming out, so it's very sweet, you know. It's, um, there's just something memorable about fruit, you know. It's a good little analogy. Anyways, moving on. I'll get to the pear later, okay? Um, only three ninety nine. Good deal. Good deal. Um, but apparently, there's this fruit that grows in our lives, and, and all those amazing qualities. And the last one is self control. So you can actually have this. This is actually a thing that's available to us. And there's another church leader um, named Peter, and he's writing a letter to his friends, and he says this and. Uh, chapter 1 of Second Peter. He says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. And he kind of has his, his list too. Um, goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance, and then godliness, and mutual affection, and love. And he, he says in 8, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So look, who wouldn't want this? Who wouldn't want, like, what, what, what's it say? To, to keep, it keeps you from being ineffective and unproductive in your faith? That sounds pretty good. I mean, I would like to get to the end of my life and God's, God say to me, you know, you were really effective <laughs> in your faith. You were really productive in helping people find Jesus. And imagine what your life could look like if, if you grew this fruit in your life of self-control. Sorry, I didn't have breakfast. So I'm just <laughs> um, but there's something that happens think, that can prevent this in our life, okay? Um, sometimes we get the idea of self-control mixed up with a concept and term that we use in our culture called willpower. Willpower. And willpower is when you're able to make the mental choice to do something hard, right? And there, there are going to be those moments when it's like, okay, I need... I, I, I shouldn't do this, but ah, and, and you use willpower to do that, right? And, and there's times, and, and, and that's good, but that's actually not what biblical self-control is. Self-control is different than willpower. Willpower is good. Self-control is better, and, and I want to I, I challenge you um, to go with self-control. Chase after self-control, and willpower is good, but let's pursue self-control even more, okay? So I want to I share with you two stories. One where it's an example of willpower and another example where this is, you know, spiritual self-control happening, right? Um, so the first story is this. Jesus is in the garden in, in uh, the book of Matthew in the scriptures. He's about to die on the cross. So th- this is literally his last kind of free moment before being taken by the guards and, and crucified on the cross. This is extremely stressful moment. I mean, the, the weight of the world and, and all of our sins we've ever done and ever will do, they're all coming on him at this time, right? And, and he's, he's there praying to God the Father, and he gets three of his disciples, his closest friends, he says, hey, can you guys stay up with me? It's late at night. Can you stay up with me? Can you pray with me? Can you just pray? Stay up and pray. So uh, this is what happens in Matthew 26, verse 40. So Jesus goes off alone. He comes back to his disciples. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. And this is a key line. He says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And then this happens three times. He, he goes, kind of prays, comes back. Like, I hope you guys are still praying. Oh, 
you guys are sleeping, you know, and, and he kind of gives this, 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 uh, this concept of you're, the spirit is willing, you have good intentions, I, you really mean it when you say we're going to stay up with you, Jesus, and pray, you mean it, but your flesh, your body, there's limitations to it, there, there's, there's a, a weakness there, and their good intentions actually weren't enough. Their spirits were willing, their attitudes were good, but their bodies were weak, and, and there's, it's a good example of willpower. Right? Here you have Peter, like Jesus' like best friend, closest friend, who, who we just quoted later, right? And, and he's trying his best, trying his best, trying his best, but at the end of the day, his body hits the ceiling of just, he couldn't get it done. And there's an important lesson here that, that what the body does, the human body, is limited to what the human body can do. It's, it's simple, right? Like what the human body does, it's limited by what the human body c- can do. It, it makes sense. And willpower is really, really good but it has ceiling, it has a ceiling, it has limits. And we should definitely pursue willpower. We should definitely be disciplined people. That's a, that's a good godly uh, principle, you know, being a disciplined person. But we need to understand building discipline in our lives, us building our own discipline in our lives, it, it has shortcomings. And at the end of the day, even if our spirits are really willing, our bodies are really weak though. Being human is tough, right? <laughs> being human is tough. Um, I'm gonna share with you a second story though. And it's not about willpower, it's about self-control, self-control. And it's, it's about Jesus again, and it's, it's right when he kind of starts his ministry publicly. So uh, for his whole life at this point, he's kind of been behind the scenes, laying low, uh, just getting ready for the work he's going to do. And then finally he's like, all right, I'm going to start teaching, I'm going to become like an, an official um, rabbi and, and all, the, all this cool stuff. And, and it tells us that, the, the scripture tells us that right when he starts, the Holy Spirit God the Holy Spirit leads him out into the wilderness and then there he's tempted by the devil. And it says that the, the devil comes to him and tempts him. And I, I want to read you one of the temptations that the devil says in um, uh, Luke 4, verse 5. It says, The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all, so remember that word, all, like as in everything, all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It's been given to me, and I can give it to whoever I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. It will all be yours. So, so the devil's like, hey, Jesus, look, literally, I will show you literally the entire world, anything possible, anything. Jesus, you can have this. And Jesus denies him and says, Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So imagine literally your farthest dreams, your farthest goals, your farthest fantasies, every possible thing in life being offered to you. And Jesus turns it down. He shows this amazing amount of self-control and turns it down. So my question is, how was he able to exercise that self-control? How did he develop this fruit in his life? How, how did he grow this? How, how, did, how did he achieve this fruit? Um, and to us, if we were in the story, if we were the ones being tempted, I, I mean, at least for me, I bet it would be a different story, right? But he does it by, he's referring to the scriptures. Up, up into that time, he, he was spending weeks all by himself with just him and God the Father. He had been fasting. He had been praying. So when Jesus is displaying his self-control here, this is beyond willpower. This is beyond his own ability. This is beyond something that he himself has developed into himself on his own. This is beyond a, a strong work ethic or discipline. There's something spiritual here 
going on. There's something spiritual about this self-control. And yes, his spirit is willing, but his body is not weak. His body's still strong. His body's able to say no, and, and he's strong enough to resist the evil and do the right thing. And this is the difference between willpower and self-control. Willpower is, is a discipline that you develop on your own as life goes. You work hard at it, right? It's, it's like working out. It's like a muscle. You, you, work, you get stronger. You yourself, it's like, yes, I, I, I've achieved this for myself. This, this is good. There, and that's really good. We actually should be doing that. We should be developing discipline and willpower. But there's a ceiling to it, right? The human body. The spirit's willing, but the body's weak. Self-control is something that we don't develop in us ourselves. It's something that God develops inside of us as, as time goes. So that no matter what comes against us, even when the human body would normally give way, God steps in and says, no, no, no. You on your own could never resist this, but I'm actually going to give you a spiritual ability to resist this right now. So if I was removed from the equation, you would give in 100% of the time. But since I'm here, I'm actually going to give you the ability to resist. Spiritual self-control. Self-control is not willpower. It's the spiritual ability that comes from God to resist evil and do the right thing. So, again, don't don't get me wrong. I'm not, you know, hating on discipline and having, you know, a a good mental game and and strong willpower and this kind of thing. I've read the book, The Power of Habit. I've read the book, Atomic Habits. These are, like, these uh, top-seller books about just building good habits, good systems in your life. Like, literally, you should read those books if you haven't. Life-changing books. Like, so good. But that's not self-control. That's not self-control. Um, self-control is something that God grows into you as you spend time with him. And, and he is the source, not us. And, and that's what I, I, want, I want to leave you with today, is I want to leave you with the proper definition as, as we move on in, in the coming weeks, as we talk about how do we get it, how do we develop in our life, this kind of thing. Um, We've got to start with defining it properly, the proper definition. So this is the main idea I want to leave you with today, is this, is that self-control is not about willpower. It is about God's power. Self-control is not about willpower. It is about God's power. And this is so important because if we get the two mixed up, it's, it's, it's possible that we, we try to develop this on our own. We try to become disciplined people. We try to, you know, develop a strong mind where we're, we're going to resist. I can do this. I can do this. And then we call that self-control. And when we give in and over and over and over, eventually we say, oh, I just don't have self-control. I guess that's just who I am. I guess I'm just not strong enough. I guess I just don't have the discipline and the ability in my life. And I feel like God's in the corner saying like, yeah, I know. I know you don't. I know that there's a limit. And I know you can become really disciplined. But there's a point where, where, where the discipline stops and just the human body is flawed. And we're imperfect. And that's where I need to step in and give you that ability that you can't do on your own. Self-control. Self-control. So important. And I think if, if we're honest with ourselves, and again, at least I'll, I'll be honest about me, um, there's things in our life that we have given up on. And it's like, oh, I'll, I will always just give in to this, or I will always do that, or, you know, I just, I'm, I'm not even going to bother fighting that because I've just, I'm, I'm a weak human and I don't have self-control. And we have this mindset, right? Maybe you've tried your very best, but you just couldn't resist that temptation. Look, the key isn't more discipline. The key isn't more willpower. The key is self-control. The key is self-control from God. He's the source. Maybe it's a food thing. Like, and I'm, I know I'm kind of joking with this, but to, and, and maybe more of the states in here in Canada, but like, to be honest, this is actually 
It's, it's, it is a big deal that we're eating healthy, right? And we're, and we're not eating whatever we want. It's like, no, God's trusted us with a healthy body and we want to do our best with it. Maybe, maybe it's that. Maybe it's uh, spending too much money. Maybe it's like, oh, I'm always spending more than I'm making, but I just can't help it. Or maybe you have more than enough, but you're just spending money on things that aren't good or they're, they're a waste and we should be investing into a better thing. Maybe, um, maybe the key isn't more discipline. Maybe it's self-control from God. God giving you that special ability to make it through that you couldn't do it on your own. Um, maybe it's giving into that sin that you just can't break no matter how many times. It's like, I just cannot break this sin. And it's got root in your life and you feel like it's built up a wall there. Look, maybe the key is not more discipline and willpower. Maybe it's self-control from God. That spiritual fruit that he grows in our life as time goes. Um, and then one more, one more example. Maybe it's, it's um, you know, I've been talking a lot about resisting, resisting self-control. Maybe flip, flip it around. Maybe it's like, I know I need to be in my devotions, reading the Bible every day, spending that time with God. I know I need to be praying more. I know I need to be fasting more of this. But when it comes, it's just like, ah, uh, there's other things I want to do. Maybe it's on our own. We don't have the discipline for it, but maybe we just need that spiritual self-control. God the Father grew this fruit in Jesus, God the Son, and he can grow in us too, okay? Self-control is not about willpower. It's not about your own ability. It's about God developing something special and spiritual inside of us, okay? Um, so I'm actually going, ooh, oh yeah, there it is. Um, I'm actually gonna invite Alessandra back up. We're just gonna close with a song, and we're gonna take up communion. Um, but I just have three challenges for us to do today, okay, based on this. And I know um, today was all about just defining that. But I'll have these three challenges for you, okay? The first thing is this. Um, how do we grow self-control in our lives? The first thing is to acknowledge that it's a spiritual fruit. The first thing is to acknowledge it's not just willpower. It's not just having a good discipline and convincing your mind to do a certain thing. Because again, and that's really good. We should go for that. But there's a limit. There's a ceiling with that. We need to acknowledge that. The second thing is we need to understand that we actually aren't the source of self-control in our life. We, it's not this thing where it's like, okay, if I read this book enough times, I will then be a person of self-control. And, you know, I'm going to develop it in myself. That's actually not, that's discipline. That's willpower. That's good. But we're, we're not talking about that. We're talking about self-control. The spiritual ability to resist and to do the right thing. Um, we need to understand that God's the source of that. Okay. And the third thing, I challenge you, come next week. <laughs> because next week, um, we're talking specifically how we let God grow that self-control in our life and how, how um, God grows that in us. And, and we're going to be talking about one of the strongest examples in the Bible of someone who displayed self-control that I'm looking at it like, I don't know how you did that, man. <laughs> but they showed crazy amount of self-control. And I want to look at the life that they lived and how they were able to actually live that out. And it's like, oh, there's a, there's a correlation here. Everyone that had self-control also was living this kind of life. So I want to look into that next week and talk about that, okay? So that's the challenge. Let's have the goal of developing self-control in our lives because it, it actually is possible. You can actually be a self-controlled person. Like literally, and, and I'm not saying only in certain areas, like literally in every area of your life, you can be a self-controlled person. And again, I'm not saying just a disciplined person, like you're really smart and able. I mean, God can give you that ability to be self-controlled. It is possible. And that thing that you thought was impossible, it actually 
it actually might be possible. It actually might be possible, okay? Um, so I really want to encourage you to be here next week. And, and just as we wrap it up, why does God want us to live self-controlled lives? Like, why does it even matter? <laughs> like, hey, this feels good. Just go with it. Like, wh- why not? Is God loves us way too much for that. God, God loves us way too much to just, you know, it, it, it's a free-for-all. Can, can you imagine if, if we acted with our kids like that? It's like, oh, do what you want. <laughs> oh, th- that feels good? Go for it. It's like, no, things aren't going to end well. <laughs> You know, as you raise your kid, you put, you set parameters and you say this is right and this is wrong for their own good because you love them. And that's what God's doing here. He's, he's saying, guys, I, I want us to be self-controlled because I love you. And, you, you know, we, we told that story of, of Jesus in the garden, how, you know, just an insane amount of stress on his life and just the burden that he was carrying. Um, the reason he was doing that was for us. It's because moments later, the guards would show up they would arrest him, they'd put him on trial, and they'd crucify him on a cross. And, and it, the, the good news is it, so, so beautiful, right? Because you and I, we, we inevitably make these mistakes. We live without self-control. We give in to sin. We give in to evil. We give in to wasting our time or doing the wrong thing or whatever. But Jesus, the life of Jesus, every moment that he was offered a choice of doing evil, every single moment, he had perfect self-control, 100% self-control. And because he lived such a perfect life, a sinless life, and since he died on the cross, since he rose again, guess how God views you? Guess how God views your life? When God views your life, he actually doesn't see all the mistakes, all the sin, all the times you didn't have self-control. He actually doesn't see any of that. You know what God the Father sees when he looks at us? He sees the perfect life that Jesus lived. Like literally, at the exact perfect life that Jesus lived, that's what God sees when he sees you. And that's how God treats us. He treats us as if we lived the life that Jesus lived. He treats us as if we had perfect self-control. He treats us as if we've never sinned before. It's, it's beautiful because God loved us that much. And, and you know, I wanna I want encourage you, and we do this every single week, if you've never accepted that, if you've never believed that truth. If you never believed that story, you can believe that story. Believe that he loves you. Believe that Jesus died for you. Believe that he lived the perfect life. Believe that he rose again. And you can have a relationship with God. No ritual, no hoops to jump through, none of that stuff. Just understand he loves you. And that we can love him back because of what he's done for us, okay? Let's, uh, let's pray. Let's pray. So Jesus, I, I pray for every single one of my friends in the room today. I pray that as time goes, we would realize that truth, God, that, that you love us and that you actually can give us the ability to be self-controlled people. God, and, and I pray you do develop willpower in us. I pray you do develop discipline in us. But God, beyond that, I pray that we would grow that fruit in our lives, self-control, the ability that only comes from you, where our human body fails, where you come in and help us. Lord, we love you in your name. Amen. Amen. We're going to take up communion now. And basically, you, you know, this term communion, it's, it's from the, um, it's representing a story from the scriptures where right before Jesus, you know, we talked to the garden, right before he went to the garden, he was with his 12 disciples and they had a meal together. And they had bread at that meal, they had wine at that meal. And 
he took the bread, he broke the bread, he said, look, listen, continue this on. Don't ever stop meeting together and having this meal together, okay? And he said, the bread, this is representing my body that I'm about to give for you. And then he took the wine, he said, this represents my blood that I'm shedding for you. So as, you know, so as, as you know, thousands of years passed, generations passed, in 2,000 years ago, they had the first Lord's Supper. We still have this here. And we take the bread and we take the wine and we eat it together as a church family. And we remember, yes, this was for his body, the body that he gave for us. This was for the blood that he shed for us. And we remember, we remember what Jesus has done for us. Um, so the ushers are gonna come forward. You guys are good to come forward, ushers. And we don't actually have bread and wine. We have crackers and grape juice. Um, but it's a symbol. It's a symbol. So um, these guys are gonna start handing this out. If you don't want to have it, just let it pass. It's all good. There's, there's no pressure. There's no looking at anyone else. Um, you can just let it pass if you'd like. And don't eat it right away. We're gonna have it all together. But as, as the ushers are... are passing these out, these symbols out, um, Alessandro's going to lead us. And let's just remember what Jesus has done for us, okay? Let's, let's remember the sacrifice that he made and the love that he gave for us, okay? So, so thanks for leading us so well, Alessandro, and let's, uh, let's just really remember Jesus and focus on Jesus, okay? His death and resurrection. Chases me down fine. 
wondering, maybe let's just close our eyes if we're comfortable doing that. And let's just remember that. Let's remember perfect Jesus. Let's remember when the judge was asking him to defend himself and he could have got out of it. But Jesus displays perfect self-control. Says nothing. Because he meant to do what was about to happen. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't a misunderstanding. It was the whole point. It was the whole purpose. Let's picture Jesus on trial, innocent. Let's picture him crown of thorns. I know it's graphic, but blood, blood going down his face, beaten, insults happening. Let's picture him carrying that cross. He didn't do a thing for it. It was our sins that, that put him there. Let's picture him nailed to that cross. Just the agony that it, that it costed him. Because he's fully God, but he's fully human. That human pain we all would have experienced, he was feeling it. And more than that, the spiritual pain, the, the disconnect from him and his heavenly father at that moment because of all the sin that he put on himself. Let's, let's just pause for a moment and just maybe just, just between you and God right now, thank him for what he's done for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that before we ever thought about you, you did it. That you would, you would do it even if it was just, just for us alone. You love us that much. We thank you that we serve a good God. We thank you that you're not cruel, you're not unjust, that you're good, that you're good, and your love fixes everything. Thank you, God. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, right before he was in the garden, he took the bread. He said, this is my body. Eat it in remembrance of me. Let's eat it together today. And in the same way he took the cup, let's drink together today. Let's pray one more time. God, thank you for your sacrifice, what you've done for us. And God, thank you for your resurrection. It didn't end unhappy. It ends with us being in perfect relationship with you. All of our sins, you take care of it all. Thank you, Jesus. You're so, so good. We pray for everyone in the room. We pray for our kids and youth. We pray for the community of Binbrook, God. Teach us, help us love each other better, help us love you better, in your name, amen. Amen, well God bless you, we'll see you next week, thanks for being here, and I'm just gonna leave this, look, I didn't eat anything, okay? I'm just gonna leave it right here on this chair, whoever wants it, come get it, okay? Because I'm not taking it home, okay? I'm showing self-control, okay? All right, God bless, see you next week.
striving 